0: The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker at the time of the recording are not necessarily those of Jupiter and may change in the future. Jupiter is unable to provide investment advice, so we recommend you discuss any investment decision with a financial advisor. Market and exchange rate movements can cause investment values to fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than originally invested. Any data or views given in this podcast should not be construed as investment advice.
1: Hello, I'm Stuart Goodwin, and this is the latest in our series of Jupiter podcasts. Joining me today from our multi asset team are Talib Sheikh, head of strategy, and Mark Richards, strategist. After a year unlike any other, today we'll preview what 2021 may have in store for markets. If we tried to cover Absolutely everything would probably be here all day. So let's focus in on the really key question. Gentlemen, now that the US election is over and vaccines are imminent, is the world starting to look a bit better? Clearly, the world's looking a little
0: bit better than it did at the height of the pandemic in March. But when we take a step back as investors, we do think there's been some really profound implications as the role to the pandemic And I think there's really been two changes. The first one is that central bankers have altered the way that they're going to implement policy. Typically and historically they've really felt that there was a link between inflation and wages and really that link they've accepted has become much looser and it means that they're going to be much more reactive. It means that inflation is probably going to be dealt with on a reactive basis rather than a proactive basis. The second thing that I think has changed is that governments have become ever more present. They guaranteed pretty much all of the bank lending which has taken place since the pandemic. They've also stepped in and effectively nationalised 70-80% 70-80% of wages through furlough schemes and we think it's very difficult for those to be unwound over the medium term and actually these are going to be things which us as investors ultimately are going to be living with and actually trying to analyse for many years to come. As an investor it's important that we focus in on actually what does that mean for the next 3, 6 and 12 months as well as having those longer term implications in the back of
2: our mind. So that's kind of the, the, the policy pillar of our framework uh, that Tab's covered. And we think that's probably the main driver of markets over the next 12 months. It's worth just reminding people of the other pillars of our framework, fundamentals, sentiments and valuation, quickly on each of those. On well, fundamentals, I think with the positive news on the three big vaccines over the past few weeks, we do have a, an unusually high degree of visibility over the 12 to 18 month time horizon. Sure, there's going to be problems about how the vaccines are disseminated, but we do think that they will be overcome over the next few months. So in terms of growth and inflation, we're at still a very, very depressed level of growth. And we do think the economy will regain that lost output over the next six to 12 months. On inflation, I think very near term, probably inflation stays quite subdued, but again, we do see a path towards higher inflation given that policy supports that Taleb's covered. In terms of sentiment, we are getting closer to uh, euphoric levels of risk appetite. So this is much more important for very short term or near term returns. So we do think there's, there's risks in the very near term of a pullback, but we must anchor towards that longer term view. Lastly, on valuation, on one level, we do see credit and equity valuations are being relatively full. But on another level, we can have overshoots given that improvement and the fundamental backdrop and those policy support that Talib has covered. So broadly speaking, uh, a positive environment for taking risk. Guys, what implication
1: does that have for portfolio positioning as we head into next year? And how do you think that might evolve as these developments play out? I think the first thing is that we do see inflation accelerating from
0: here. Um, We've seen inflation move up through 1%. And we certainly expect that at some point on our kind of forecastable horizon, it can move up to 2%. And central bankers are going to let that run a little bit hot. Uh, That means that we like real assets, we like commodities, we like assets exposed to that inflation dynamic and actually it means that we think equities can do quite well as we look through into 2021. There's been a lot of chatter about what does this mean for the bond markets. They do look expensive from here but we think that any sign of a big bond sell-off of yields really accelerating to the upside are likely to be capped just given the degree of coordination that central bankers have expressed in order to keep those yields at relatively modest levels going forward.
2: The second theme that we're focused on is following a period of, you know, two or three years of persistent trade war and moves towards de we do think that the Biden administration will seek to improve global cooperation. We see that as being beneficial for the global economy. Yet we must remember that there, there is a structural force with the, the global economy fragmenting across regional lines. So probably the, the Americas in one block, Europe in another block and Asia in another block. So while there's kind of an improvement on the global economy in terms of cooperation, there is still those structural forces to be aware of. Uh, The erosion of Trump's kind of geopolitical risk premium is better for risk assets and clearly better for pockets of emerging markets. And then we've got those structural areas that can benefit not just from the segmentation of the global economy, but also that improvement in some of the global sentiment. So emerging markets and areas of technology, particularly in semiconductors and some hardware components.
0: We also think that governments will try and fix the global system. We think that that ultimately will mean that taxes are likely to rise both at the personal level and also at the corporate level as governments seek to be more distributive, more fair in terms of how the gains of the economy uh, ultimately are shared. I'd argue that that could be difficult for some of the large tech oligopolies that we see. The returns available for profits at any price, I think, are going to be capped. And ultimately, we would argue that the returns available in asset markets are likely to be lower for the coming few years than they have been for the previous few years.
2: Along the similar lines, we think that the, for the last 20 or 30 years, capital has trumped labour. That basically means that the owners of capital have had much more influence than the providers of labour, i.e. workers, and that's helped to drive profit margins to multi-decade highs. We think the structural shifts in the political backdrop mean that that kind of balance tilts a little bit back towards labour, not dramatically so, but at the margin is probably a little bit of a, a headwind to corporate profitability over the next three to five years.
0: But we still would say that many of the Underlying issues that have really plagued the global economy for the last 10 years uh, exist, namely excessive amounts of debt, deflation and demographics. So a more flexible approach, trying to find specific companies and specific bonds which can deliver either income or a total return, is going to be ever more going forward. We would argue that while the world looks a little bit better from here, nobody should be thinking about a reset back to the world that we saw pre-pandemic.
1: Thank you both, gentlemen. That was fascinating, but I think we're out of time for today. Thanks also to everyone at home for joining us, and we wish you a safe and prosperous year in 2021. Goodbye.